Hello and welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast. My name is Anthony Shelton and I am joined by David Burdett. How's it going? All right. In this podcast, we talk about the latest games we could get our hands on, games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago, and games you absolutely need to play. David, how you doing? Doing pretty good. I'm actually drinking a little bit of Juvie from 100 Thieves. I actually bought some this week in honor of uh, Octane, a longtime Call of Duty pro. Eight years, he decided to let the sticks go. And he was a straight shooter. He was actually, his nickname was the Human Turret. One of the straightest shooters in Call of Duty. And, you know, to him. Pour one out for Octane. And yeah. I'm not going to pour it out. That stuff's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> How much was it? Uh, it was a 12 pack and it was about $36. Okay, you can pour one of them out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's wasting $3. <laughs> and it tastes good. So I might as well go oh, ahead does. and I might as well go ahead and drink it. What's the flavor? Uh, cherry slushy. It's their new uh, limited time flavors. Pretty good. I had no idea. Hundred Thieves sold energy drinks. Yep. I guess that makes sense. That's something they've always wanted to do. They're apparently making a video game too. So, hundred thieves? Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be oh. very interesting to see all the things they have there. I mean, diversify, <laughs> and they are definitely diversifying. <laughs> They're going to have energy drink ads in their game. I guarantee you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Every new, they're gonna have a new drink. It's gonna be the every, it's gonna be the health pack. Is uh, drinking a juvie? <laughs> oh yeah, that, that, that's that's a pretty good idea. Actually, there you go. They're gonna have a new. Call uh, me up. New, I can always do this. <laughs> they're gonna have a new flavor every battle pass every season. Because <laughs> you know it's gonna be a game with the battle pass. It's gonna be live Has service. It's gonna be a guaranteed. first person shooter, almost guaranteed, man. Yeah, for sure. I want to ask you something though, and I and I want to know if I am alone in the feeling of this. I was at Walmart the other day, and this is a very like random, strange thing. But I was at Walmart and for work, buying some stuff for uh, work, and I grabbed a shopping cart, and it as I was pushing it and rolling it, like it felt like I was like going over a hump every every few rotations of the wheels, and it was bothering me so much i wanted to like go down there and like fix it for the life of me are you like that or am i the only one like i like random shopping carts that just be bugging you it it depends on how bad it is like if if it's it depends on if how easy it is to ignore because there's a there's that scale of okay this is a mild annoyance i hear it squeak every once in a while but I know that eventually, once I throw stuff in in the, as we say it here in the South, the buggy, uh, as soon as we throw it in there, like it's going to weigh it down so the squeak will probably go away. But <laughs> some of them like that that you're talking about, when it's actually hindering me pushing the thing, <laughs> that that's when it really gets frustrating. Yeah, it wasn't hindering me. It, it it just happened. Like it rolled fine, but every once in a while, it just felt like there was something it, on one of the wheels. It's that still was a hindrance, it, like, though. Like a it's still a hindrance, though. It was making my operation. shopping experience worse. That's for sure. Yep. All right. I just want to make sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> nope, you're who not. Feels weird about grabbing. I, I bad I'm ready cards. to just put it some. I'm ready to just go grab another one at that point, though. <laughs> I hear you. Yep. All right. Let's get started. So. Adding something new to the Gaming Trend Podcast. Going to gamify this podcast just a little bit. So, 
it's time to bring out the new, uh, the new, I guess, host of, or co-host with us. Call it the Wheel of Segments. The Wheel of Segments is our friend. And he will help us choose, or it will help us choose our topics for the week. Totally Bye, Noah. You are now a wheel. <laughs> yep. Sorry, Noah. You are a wheel until next week when uh, somebody else becomes the wheel. So the Wheel Effect segments is our infallible topic chooser. If you're listening, we have a wheel with several topics on it. We'll spin the wheel and we'll talk about that topic. So here are our topics for the day. We'll talk about uh, a lot of Steam Next Fest demos. Um, there was that a happened lot of this stuff. past week. So much stuff. I think there were over 700 demos. We didn't um, get to play all of them, by the way, people. <laughs> no, unfortunately. Yeah, sorry. Our time is limited. But we got to try a few. I tried Stunt Derby, Sea of Stars, Lies of P. Oh, man, I miss Sea of Stars. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Uh, and then uh, we both played Gate Zero, so we'll talk about that. And then we'll also talk about a lot of Xbox Activision highlights that happened this past week. Some juicy stuff. And we didn't get to talk about it last week because we ran out of time, but we'll talk about some of the stuff out of the June Nintendo Direct, as well as, you'll see this game on here, Wild Card Football. We'll yep. talk about that, because that is certainly interesting. So, as it goes, it's a wheel, so let's give it a spin and see what topic we get. Let's see where we go. Round and round and round it goes, what it'll land on nobody knows. Oh, looks like Sea of Stars. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. So tell me about Sea of, sea of Star Stars and why I need to play this, because I, I wanted to, but you got to tell me what I missed out on. Well, okay. So Sea of Stars is kind of weird in the sense of when they throw you into the demo, they throw you right in the middle of something. And okay. Noah mentioned this, I think, back in January. With uh, the other demo, yeah. Yeah, um, I think this is the same demo, but I'm glad I got to play it for myself because the things he were describing to me and the way he was describing it, it didn't sound as appealing. But now that I've played it myself, I'm very much into the idea of Sea of Stars. So first of all, Sea of Stars is a Kickstarter-backed SNES game. Uh, well, it's a, it's a SNES-inspired turn-based RPG with some real-time elements in it. So it's coming to the Switch, PC, PlayStation, Xbox. It's developed by Sabotage Studio. They're the creators of The Messenger. I didn't know oh, that. okay. So, yeah, The Messenger was pretty good. Uh, a lot of people received it well. So uh, they know how to make something good. Let me uh, pull up the uh footage Which here. for our uh for everyone listening they actually the sea of stars demo is still up on steam and it's only 280 megabytes so it'll fit <laughs> i didn't realize it was that small yeah i yeah. just downloaded uh, it in two seconds <laughs> you could, <laughs> hey you i just got fiber on... i just got fiber so everything's downloading fast oh, now <laughs> congratulations fantastic i have a form of fiber that doesn't really work that well. So it's I don't know fiber that's not area. fiber. <laughs> it's like shared network fiber. So oh, gotcha. it's, you know, I'm bogged down by other people at nighttime. See, I live in a little 5,000 people town. So my fiber is, uh, oh. let's put it this way. I uploaded our crash co-op footage. It was a six gig 
file it was it took five minutes anthony it took five minutes oh i i almost lost it the other day when i threw it when i got the had to upload the wild card football trailer and it took literally 12 seconds i actually timed it (laughs) there you go it was a gig Uh, oh i was so happy (laughs) hey you know if you played destiny you know your your download times would be a lot faster too heck with call of duty uh warzone when it was at its highest gigabytes dear lord that would have taken you what probably 30 minutes maybe less i don't know like we were talking about before the podcast you know there was some stuff i wanted to play that was about today and it was like 30 gigs of a download and i downloaded that in five minutes <laughs> oh that's nice so, oh yeah i'm i'm jealous i live yeah. with too many people well Maybe i'm jealous be though because you played sea of stars and i haven't yet so we need to get back yep. into that and you need to tell me about all of it <laughs> yep so sea of stars is light on plot exploration and an explanation you're dropped into the middle of the demo they don't really set it up it's it's mostly a gameplay demo it's meant to demonstrate the gameplay so i i'm guessing sabotage studios just doesn't want to spoil any of it which totally fine with that the they what they do promise and they say this on the steam page is that it will meet its uh duty to uh i guess stay in line with what classic rpgs do which is uh themes of adventure and friendship and it will have plenty of twists and turns is what they say on the steam page so that's as far as what we get as far as stories so other than that it is a turn-based rpg inspired by the snes days Yeah, the old final fantasy imagine what that looks like yeah. yeah so um you run through an overworld you can pick up items you fight enemies you get into combat sequences they are turn-based combat sequences you could talk to other people you get some story beats and you could do some uh kind of mini side quest type of stuff it is a rpg like any other classic rpg the biggest um i would say i guess the highlight is what they do during the turn-based rpg they don't do anything necessarily groundbreaking but they do make it so that you have to pay attention if you want to maximize either the the amount of damage or maximize uh or at least uh, i'll just say maximize the uh, amount of uh, damage you don't take so um so while you're attacking you do your turn your character attacks i was playing with an xbox controller so if you press a at the right time you can increase your damage when it's the other player's turn if you press a at the right time you can minimize damage as much as possible so it keeps you interested so you're not just pressing a button thing happens enemy attacks you press a button thing happens you have to constantly pay attention so that you can increase your attack or minimize the amount of damage that you take. And that's important because there are some enemies that do take a lot of damage. And so if you don't want to spend a whole bunch of potions or if you're under leveled um, or maybe even at level, you'll want to pay attention to what's going on so that you can have some success. The really interesting thing, and I think it's happening on screen right now, is this boomerang attack and noah brought this up if you you throw it out and it hits an enemy and it comes back to you a la boomerang but you can reflect it back 
and it hits another enemy. So the attack isn't over. You can reflect it back. And so it hits another enemy, comes back to you, and you can keep reflecting it back for as long as you can, and the boomerang keeps coming back faster and faster. So you have to stay on your game and time it correctly. And you could take out an entire party just with the boomerang attack. Like, it's not a super strong attack, but when you let it go for a long time and you're able to time those things, you will do a lot of damage. And that is just one example of how the how engaging these turn-based combat scenarios are. It is It is... In many ways, an improvement upon even the likes of Earthbound, which had a, which also had a very similar thing. It is an improvement upon uh, what you would see in Paper Mario, which had a very similar thing, pressing A at the right time. So it's not just maximizing your damage and minimizing the damage you take. It is other moves can be enhanced over a duration to be able to have some interesting combat. So um, after I was done playing it, I started looking up classic Final Fantasy games because <laughs> it just made me want to play some classic RPGs. It was really inspiring. It is responsive. And it's a it's a weird... It, it sounds like a weird compliment to the game, but a lot of classic RPGs will do some animation stuff that kind of slows down the feel and the pace of when you move. But this is just, I mean, you move, it snaps, uh, you go, you climb up ladders. There's no extra animations. You just jump on and you're going. So it feels like you're, you're progressing and you're moving and they want you to explore and get around. And they feed that by making it feel snappy and responsive. So I really like that. And then it reminds me of Golden Sun. I love... Golden Sun, which is also inspired by SNES games, but the music, the colors, the the feel of the characters, kind of the aesthetic a little bit, all reminds me more of Golden Sun than maybe a Chrono Trigger or something. Um, so I am I I like what I played. Uh, the puzzle sequences were were interesting. I I, I can't say I had trouble with them. I had to search around a little bit at times, but it was mostly just searching, making sure I just covered every corner of the area to make sure I was I was doing whatever I needed to do. The one thing I will say is that sometimes the foreground and background are a little hard to decipher. So what looks like a walkway is actually a wall. Mm-hmm. So at times, that's about the only major criticism I have with this. You see on screen... If you're listening, you could go into your inventory. You typically you get rings, you can get other weapon increases, things like that. So there's different ways to make your character stronger. Again, classic SNES current <laughs> RPG style, uh, Final Fantasy 16. We were just talking about that kind of stuff. So uh, it, it does those kind of classic RPG things as well. I think it's a solid game. I think uh, it is definitely worth playing. Well, I love like as soon as you encountered the bad guys, how snappy it was to jump straight into the fight sequence. Like that's most of the time you get into one of those. It's the, you know, the noise, the and everything kind of fades out. And then yeah, you're in the battle like this, or, yeah. this just instantly, like it's just battle formation. And it's, it's really cool to see that. 
And I, yeah. I guess I'm thinking when when you're talking about the hit, the timings on that, it makes that makes me think uh, Mario, the Mario and Luigi games, mm-hmm. the yeah. the stylings that those had, where you could block, you could take less damage, but you could also get a harder jump on someone's head, essentially with with the way that they would do stuff. So, yeah, so it's not doing anything groundbreaking. No, um, it's not doing something necessarily original, but the way they do it fits and it feels good. It It is fun to interact with it. If you're not a turn-based RPG kind of person, but you do like JRPGs, particularly the action combat ones, Tales of Symphonia, for example, I think this one's worth a try. If you play the demo, give it a shot. Like this, this is the perfect time to try something like this out. Um, I just feel like the fact that you have to pay attention, it is that alone to me is enough to further engage me with turn-based. Like you said, you, that means you're not just, you know, browsing Twitter as the enemies whack you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that is Sea of Stars, again, developed by Sabotage Studios. All right. Oh. Let's go back to the wheel and, yeah, and see what it gives us. I just installed that, so I, I will definitely be giving that a try when I get a chance. Oh, give it a try. Give it a try. I'm curious to know what you think. All right, here we go. Big money, big money. Ooh, we get to go into gate oh, zero, well, it looks like. Well, maybe. Uh, just yeah. enough. Just cool, enough. Cool, there we All go. Right. Gate Zero, you dropped this one on me at random. I wasn't <laughs> sure what this was, yeah. So I was like, okay, you're you're playing uh, this. Okay, what what is this? So not a lot of people know what this is. Kind of the cool thing about it that that I have discovered was just that it's it's actually a, a faith based game. It's a, a biblical based game is what they're building game. exactly. And I know yeah. that those aren't always taken seriously. Uh, it's just like the movies. They're usually very low quality. Uh, you can tell Super that corny. it's, yeah, it's, you can tell that they didn't have the money to spend on which it makes sense. You know, if you're doing things the Jesus way that you should be, movies isn't exactly what all the money should be going towards. Um, <laughs> That's a fair point. I, I haven't considered it that way before. <laughs> but looking at this and, you know, they they're not, they're essentially pitching it more in the sense of this is something to share the story of Jesus with everyone and messing around with it. I'm like, I can see where you're going here. I can see this being a, a viable option. And part of it is because this is, I guess their second demo that they've done. They did have one proof of concept that was not available through steam. uh, And this is the more, finished version of that i believe because if i'm remembering right i watched one from like a couple months ago and the main character looked different and whatnot uh this one definitely is a lot cleaner in terms of what it looks like because i did get some views on that and it was definitely a lot more blocky a lot less uh, certain characters were a lot less polished uh this actually looks uh, again, this is proof of concept. This is not full on. Okay, we're ready to ship this in two months. This is just showing 
what they want to do with the game. And when you see it, like especially this opening part here where you end up in the this open-ish world and you see Jerusalem in front of you, it's like, oh man, this is pretty. There's there's a lot here that can work really well. Um, there are definitely plenty of spots where it's like, okay, this is there's this is choppy with the frame rate. Uh, there's spots where it's like, okay, there are not people in this area or tents or anything, so it feels very empty in certain spots. But it's like it's more the oh. It's this is still not even close to finish. It even says up there work in progress may not represent final game. So it could look different than this. But like this shot right here that you're seeing if you're watching is just it's like, oh, man, just Jerusalem right in front of you. Just really, really cool seeing that. Uh, I did not know actually right off the bat that this was open world. I thought it was a little more level based and. They've actually got some open world fields feels to it. Uh, it does remind you a bit of Assassin's Creed in certain ways with the minimap having lots of <laughs> things on it, as well as the way that you crouch and sneak around and try to distract people, which that happens later in this video. Uh, but there are several people on this project that actually were on the that it worked on Assassin's Creed games. Um, so again, something that I think is just really cool that people are doing. There's some fun gameplay elements. There's uh, there's not going to be a lot here that you don't... What's the word I'm looking for? There's not going to be a lot here that isn't fam familiar if you've played a video game before. There's a lot of concepts going around looking at clues, which is one of the things that's happening in the video. Uh, reading different things that they're talking about Jerusalem. There's a little mini game that I'm about to play here in a second where you actually go and have to grab sheep and put them in a pen <laughs> to help the shepherd while throwing rocks at wolves as they come in again, nothing too terribly groundbreaking, but I just, it feels like it's a bit more of a step up in what I expect from a biblical based game. And the cool thing is, is they did actually get there. They did get the game crowdfunded successfully, which doesn't happen a lot of the time in Kickstarters, especially when you're talking about like a, a religious game. But it, like I said, I I'm all for using uh, as a minister myself, I'm all for finding unique ways to bring that to people. And if anything, this is just a neat historical way to go about it because you're getting to actually, I I have my pastors actually been to Israel. I think he's going for like the fourth time this year. And like he booted this up and he did point out a couple things that weren't present, but it was stuff that was like, Oh, this is probably going to be in the game later. But he was like, he even was pointing. He's like, Oh, this is really cool. This is the temple here. This thing is really cool. Pointing out these different things to it. So it's it's nice to see somebody care and uh, want to put in some effort to it. It's probably going to end up like Assassin's Creed in the sense that it's not completely accurate, <laughs> but they're get but 
as long as most of it is accurate. And one of the cool things here is you can actually, one of the ways they're involving other people is you can actually sign in through your phone and have people do little co-op things with you. So a good way to, you know, if you're wanting to play this with kids or stuff like that, then they can kind of do little things like with this. I believe that you actually are trying to get the sheep to come over and to the feeding stations to eat. So it makes it easier for you to catch them. And the mobile player essentially would be, I'm assuming would be kind of just kind of getting them over, drawing them over to the food stations to make it easier. So again, if you just look at just the game itself, I mean, there are games that don't even look nearly this good in their concept in just their concept stages. It is funny when you watch the max here pick up the sheep because it's obvious that animation is not done. The sheep kind of just floats into his hand. <laughs> it just oh, <yeah>. magnetizes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you played it, so what what are, what were your thoughts on on some of it? I said I know I'm being extra positive, but I know that this is proof of concept, so it's definitely not finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh I wanna ask you what do you, what what do you think they're trying to do, the team? Like, I know you said spread the gospel of Jesus. That's fine. But, yep. like, in the way the game is laid out as a proof of concept, what you're seeing, like, what is the way they are trying to do that? Is it through telling story? Is it through, like, uh, kind of a museum effect? Is it, it like... Uh, what do you think they're doing? So there is actually, and it just hasn't popped up on the screen yet. There is a riddle area. And essentially the story behind all of this is that you're, you're in a society that doesn't believe in, in anything biblical anymore. So they are trying to eliminate all of it. You have your grandma's Bible and she has left you riddles of like trying to dis I'm not exactly sure what you're trying to discover but you're trying to solve uh, so these like the pearl yeah like, it, so I'm, I'm not sure exactly what they're getting at that was kind of an odd way that they started it but when you get to the riddles you actually have to go around the world find clues to get words essentially that will help you discover so so you're actually taking advantage of what you're finding in the world to uncover these these riddles that your grandmother has left you. So I I actually hit a spot in the demo where something glitched out so I couldn't access the riddle else or else <laughs> I would have actually finished it completely. But it's it's nothing ridiculously overcomplicated. You just take your time going around and like actually reading stuff. So I like I like that route in the sense of you're encouraging exploration while following a, a main narrative and, and main quest. So that, that gives meaning to me going around looking for things. I would hope that it doesn't rely too heavily on just looking at posters, essentially, or scrolls, because that is some of what you're doing, because I, I don't want it to end up being this thing where it feels like a grind and it feels like mon and it feels monotonous. I like what they're doing here. I just wonder how that holds up over an entire game, but that's where you can take the open world interacting with actual characters a little further. Like one of the things you actually get for completing that side mission is one of the 
words to solve the riddle with. So, like I said, it, it does make things at least flow a little bit better. So I hope that is a lot more of the focus rather than just, oh, I managed to look at the right parchment sheet and there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, at least the map is already intuitive enough for you to know you've already looked at it. Like it'll sh- it shows them there. It'll be all rolled up. And then if you look at it, it'll unroll it on the map. So I know I've already looked at something, but it also makes it so, hey, I want to go back and look at this again. It's in there if I want it, or I can go look at it again just in general. Yeah, I... This one, I don't know, it's weird. Um, I always struggle with Christian-based games, because, or Christian-based anything, um, because usually it feels behind the times, cheesy, corny. um, And... So this one, this one's interesting because here's the riddle, cool. by the way, by the way. Oh, I actually got a different riddle. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's meant to do that, but I got something different. <laughs> so I guess I don't know who this is for. That's my biggest issue with it to start. So I'll just start there. I don't know who this is for. I don't know if this is for people who are like interested in Jesus already or like for a Bible. Cause I know on the Kickstarter page, this whole idea came off of, and uh, they had built a 3d model of the temple and COVID happened and they were going to do some like in-person Bible study. And cause COVID happened, they couldn't do it. So they decided with their spare time that they had, they realized like, oh, we could build a game around this concept. And they did. So um, so I feel like I'm like, okay, this is, I guess it's Bible study material for for some people. But I also understand they are trying to use it as an evangelizing tool. Yep. And if they're using it that way, that's where I I get rubbed the wrong way because there's so many things that just kind of slap you in the face biblically, and it's like nobody nobody who doesn't know anything about Jesus is going to know about this stuff. Yeah. Um. There's no context. The the lore stuff. I don't I don't get a sense that that stuff is going to be built with this look at the game. I'm not saying yeah. they're not going to do that. But as a proof of concept, conceptually, I'm not seeing that. I just yeah. see this is what the tabernacle. And so there are other things that put the biblical things in context within the Bible. But I feel like if they want to use it as a as evangelizing tool, then I need a better story. Yeah. I, I need I need something that tells a real tell about Max and his character and what he's going through and and the impact Jesus can make on his life and mm-hmm. you know like some real interesting I yeah. mean the dude is willingly going along with his cousin throwing rocks and breaking vases like I, <laughs> I i don't think that is something jesus would necessarily condone right like so, so like they're willing to go into this kind of like this kid and i think they say on the kickstarter page he is kind, he's kind of a teenager i don't say they say he's rebellious in that way but like yeah. he 
He's a teenager. He going he gonna sin. He gonna do his stuff. I don't see that here in the proof of concept. Again, yeah. I'm not saying they're not going to go there. And, and but I essentially, since here. since it is a proof of concept, it it is one of those things where that's whatever is happening in that may come through later. So you're you're right. It yeah. doesn't show here. We just may not see it for a second. Yeah. So to me, it is coming. I'm discouraged because it comes yep. off cheesy and corny. Yeah. Again, and it, I I wouldn't say. Um, know beating people over the head with it because you can discover all the stuff (laughs) it's not that but it's not contextualized either like people like stories and they like stories that they can relate to and this is not something people can relate to and that that is where i have the disconnect that's also a christian oh yeah i want to see a story that i can connect to that other people can connect to and i would like to see the impact of this guy named jesus you know, and and how that all works out. Yeah, but I I don't get that, and it looks like it's going to be something that is, uh, more Bible study material. You get to yeah. see and explore Jerusalem. Well, you know, I could that, see this working. I could see this working well for like youth groups, uh, children's ministry kind of stuff in the sense of like showing showing that off to like younger kids because younger yeah. kids a lot of times you, this gives them a a way for their imagination to be sh- to see it essentially Agreed. so so hopefully- i like on the kickstarter page their depiction of jesus like he looks like a dude you know like he's got his like uh you know his little robe on but it's not even like all the way down to his feet so you like you know you see a little bit of his leg you know he's just rocking <laughs> sandals he's you know he's he just looks like a dude and it's like okay i like i like that depiction like jesus was like us it just got perfect and you know all that stuff we want to be like jesus um so there are things in here i'm like i i i want these particular things to be taken further instead of you know too much focus on scripture and you know that sort of stuff i want to i want to experience and learn that stuff kind of naturally instead of it just like boom it's there explore it um i think this is good feedback for them i think that that like I think they will hear this and this will give them more to run with. Like honest, I honestly. So. Yeah. I I am a little concerned though. Mighty number no. nine took four million dollars to make. Yeah. And that was Mighty Number no. Nine. <laughs> this has gotten two hundred thousand dollars plus, almost three hundred thousand dollars. I don't know how much they have to work Depen- with. Depends depends on how much uh christian charity they're putting into it so <laughs> yeah, that's true that's, that is true <laughs> those outside dollars yeah okay uh all right that's gate zero yeah one of the more interesting christian games out there oh for sure that it is something that i'm very i i i'll say this i actually did support it on kickstarter so i'm looking forward to getting the oh, finished that's, product glad you disclosed that good yep. <laughs> okay uh all right Let's bring up the wheel again. See what we get. Oh, wow. Song. Oh, we're on sinks. 
Oh. Dang it. All right. You were supposed to play this. Yeah, I was supposed to. Um, and I did see <laughs> it at Summer Game Fest. <laughs> but Oh, you did? Yeah, there's a video of us looking at it. We did I didn't get to play it, but I looked at it. <laughs> oh. I that, somehow I missed that. Okay. Well, at least you looked at it. Um Well, I I played it. Um and so okay, synced is uh, let me put up my notes cuz uh I want to get the 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 facts right uh, it's coming to pc and consoles uh, it didn't say which consoles it's just saying it's coming to consoles so i don't know if they haven't nailed down which consoles it's coming to yet uh whether that's like ps4 and xbox one um but it's a roguelike third person shooter that combines pvp and pve but not in the type of way that it's pvpve um there are two separate modes there's there's a pvp and then there's a pve but it also has uh, battle royale-esque type of arenas. So kind of interesting. It's developed by Next Studios and published by Level Infinite. Next Studios is the developer that public or put out Bladed Fury and Crown Trick. I've heard of both of those games. Um, I think Crown Trick was pretty well received, I think. And then Level Infinite. They're kind of a new publisher to the game. They have published two games, and they're both free-to-play game. Synced is their third free-to-play game. And judging by the reception of the other free-to-play games, one was positive, the other one was mixed. This one is probably going to be... It looks like I think it's going to be more on the positive side. There's There's some interesting things here. So the... Synced is takes place in a kind of technological dystopia kind of world overrun by nanos. And when they started talking about the nanos, I started thinking about Metal Gear Solid 4 and nano machines because that, that was Metal Gear Solid 4, right? Nano machines, yep, I believe so. Yeah, so that that was immediately popping into my head. I was like, oh, they're kind of bringing up this idea of nano machines again. This is cool. So nanos in this world are kind of rogue technology. And your goal is to fight to get rid of the nanos. Um, that's it. <clears throat> but an interesting thing is you can tame a nano and make it yours, kind of like a pet. And it, not in a Pokemon kind of sense. You're not Very out here collecting. <laughs> yeah. You're not out here collecting nanos. Um, you get one and then it kind of it becomes your pet for the amount of time i guess basically the dungeon run so yeah the run which that's actually how they that's how they described it that's what the word i'm looking for okay so yes you're basically going through a run in a dungeon kind of open world ish kind of thing um and your goal is there are some nano storms that are happening around the arena and you have to get rid of them uh they put six on there is what I had to do. So get rid of six nanostorms, you complete the mission, and then you fight the boss that comes after the nanostorm. That's basically what you're doing. And in the process, you are upgrading yourself, you are upgrading your nano, and it's got roguelike elements. The the battle 
the 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 battle royale kind of arena thing comes into play with the fact that there are drop pods around the space that you can interact with and that is where you can upgrade your kind of abilities or your nano's abilities and kind of make a build from there what i did notice there's not a lot of variety with the build types that they have probably because it's a demo yeah but i kept seeing the same things over and over again so it was pretty easy to make a ridiculous build not a lot of decision making and strategy within that so if they continue with that that's that's not going to be great for the roguelike stuff you think of hades you think of dead cells you had choices to make sometimes that made you rethink Ooh, do i want to go with this kind of flow or do i want to go with this i don't know this sounds really good but it not might might not work with what i'm going with this was kind of like yeah i'm just going to keep putting these on (laughs) so one thing i was doing was every time you kill an enemy uh you have a grenade so a grenade kind of flies up in the air and explodes kind of like those um uh what are those things in call of duty where you run past them and they proximity mines uh not quite those but they kind of like fly in the air are they called proximity mines i thought they were something else if they're on the ground in the air yeah yeah those are proxies yeah okay I thought the proximity mines were like the... Oh, no, there's a claymores. Never mind. So they kind of act like that. So in the run I did, I was just putting that over and over again, and I was just obliterating loads of enemies. I'd kill like the easiest enemy, and then like, it just explode, and then all these explosions would happen, and it would just destroy enemies. It was it was pretty fun to watch. That so was it's just very a, So it's an OP, it's an OP um, perk, essentially. I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't say it's OP. I just had... A- access to it too much mm. and that's why i'm saying there's not a lot of variety there so um i think once they increase the variety you don't get that kind of thing that easily um and then uh you can go in these spaces like i'm doing right now there's safe houses where you can make specific upgrades to your weapons uh, you can make specific upgrades to your shields or health or things like that so out in the world, it's more about upgrading your abilities. In the safe houses, it's upgrading gear. So I like that di- uh, the differentiation there uh, between where things happen because it, it makes Boy you have to in. really look through the space. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was supposed to happen, but whatever. I, I got them. Speaking of shooting, it's really weird. It feels weird. If you look at it, sprays so easily because it has a bloom like mechanic so you start shooting and the bullets start going everywhere but it still feels like i'm lasering the enemies so So it's just a visual effect thing i don't know (laughs) I i couldn't tell if it was just a visual thing that hadn't been worked out yet or I, yeah, I don't know, because I'd be in groups sometimes, and I'd just kind of spray and like just knock enemies out. Um, even on bigger enemies, I'm seeing my bullets like connect with them in like very random patterns. But I was also hitting pretty much where I wanted to hit. So eh, it was weird, but it felt good. <laughs> At the end of the day, the shooting did feel good. But my brain was thrown off by the fact that what I was seeing was not necessarily matching what I was doing. So at times I felt like I was um, 
compensating for something that probably wasn't happening. So it kind of threw me off. Hmm. But other than that, I felt like it was good. This is one of those games that made me realize um, how I view games that try to do what other games have already done. This is um, Next Studios, I think, fourth game. This is the first time they're doing something like this. And the first thing I always think with these kind of games that kind of riff on other ideas like roguelikes or battle royales or things like that is why would I play this when I could play something else? We don't, we don't live in a, you know, a, a market vacuum of games, right? Like we have choice, but this is one of those where I realize, well, just because there are other games exist doesn't mean a developer shouldn't try to make a game, right? So like, it made me realize, okay, yes, other maybe first-person shooter roguelikes exist. Maybe other first-person shooters, roguelikes, and kind of battle royale arenas exist. But if this is their first attempt at something, then it could be just good for what it is. And, yeah. You know, if you get bored with whatever other thing you're playing, this can exist. And as it stands, as this game stands on its own, it's not bad. I would say it's just a little too easy. I wonder if the co-op becomes more difficult as time goes on, uh, or not as time goes on, as you add more players. Um, that would be nice. But solo, I mean, the this boss... That you're watching big behemoth kind of thing. You're stuck in a circular arena. There's ads you got to shoot. I had to use my uh, quite a few health potions to to stay alive. But other than that, I mean, it wasn't really a hard fight. I wonder so, sometimes if demos aren't somewhat intentionally easy because they're trying to find a following, and if you make it where it, someone feels more powerful, it makes it easier to sell the idea. I don't know. I'm just kind of. I think there's a difference between easy and powerful. This this felt easy. This didn't feel powerful. Um, Maybe part of it was my build. (laughs) Again, I had pretty good build. But again, even with this boss, like my build didn't matter as much because there weren't as many ads. So, um, I do wonder uh, if PVE would make any difference or PVP would make any difference in things too, since that is a mode that they're gonna have. Yeah, it, I, it was hard to tell. I, I didn't try it, but I was looking at what other people were saying, and there there wasn't many people playing. So I tried to matchmake into this PVE and couldn't because there wasn't a lot of people playing. So one person got in, but we were taking too long. So it, they backed out. So mm-hmm. I waited for about four minutes. Didn't really work. So I just did it solo. And didn't really need anybody else. But I am curious to know if it does become more difficult if you add players, which I hope it does. But uh, if it does become more difficult or if it is more difficult than what this demo lets on, I think there, I think there's something here. Uh, I definitely think there's something here. It's, it can be adjusted. You can't make up for just gameplay being completely bad. So if it's just a thing such as difficulty, you can, they can figure that out, I feel like. Yeah, the last thing I'll say, uh, the little the, the little nano pet thing. 
it's useful. It actually is useful, but it's hard to feel the difference that it's doing. Uh, mostly because you do do a lot of damage yourself. It's so sometimes I feel like it's just there and it, maybe it's attacking this one character and it takes a little bit longer than I would to kill it. So it's, it feels like it's not doing anything, but it actually is involved in the fight. It does help. There was this, a point where I had to climb over a gate, <coughs> excuse me, and I summoned it and it got over the gate and it dealt with all the ads for me. <laughs> so it does do stuff. It just doesn't feel like it at times. But I think that I think there is something there to this. I definitely think it's a, going to be a strong co-op game. Cool. Said All right. I, I think it looks not. It looks nice. It looks. It's a kind of game that I would like to try. That's definitely, definitely there. And I would have had not you know, Next Fest. It been one of the Next Fest games that the server closed. <laughs> Yeah, because there are other next fest <laughs> games you could still play, but <laughs> not ones with servers. All right, so that is synced, developed by Next Studios, and published by Infinite Level Infinite Level Infinite. That's who it's developed by. All right, let us bring back the Wheel of Segments. We got this time. actually been nice and let us alternate recently so let's see where it does this time Ooh, we're still alternating news got some news in here okay well usually uh we would take about 10 minutes to talk about these things i have 15 minutes to this one because there's so there's, much there and there's more than all we, 15 minutes the thing is is there's more that we haven't even talked about with all this because or that has been put into show notes and anything like that, because it's just, there's just so much that is going on. Well, I'm curious Activision to know what you're going to surprise stuff. me with. Well, surprising no one. There's a call of duty coming November the 3rd uh, no. or, or, and not November the 3rd, but in November, uh, no. the judge apparently leaked that from redacted files. <laughs> and okay. Then Sony had a bunch of find out within by August anyway. So Sony also had a bunch of stuff leak number wise because everything was marked with a Sharpie. And when they ran it through the scanner, it still showed like you could still kind (laughs) of you do the right stuff. It could see. So they had to they actually had to recess to delete and get rid of all those files (laughs) so that they could. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was just bad. Uh, it got leaked anyway, though. Yeah. It's on the internet, and so it's not going away. And, I mean, we've seen all kinds of different stuff. Like, y- you know, obviously, Microsoft's doing well in this case. Nobody expected they were going to do bad, badly because, especially because the FTC is just really looking at the wrong things here. They're They're looking at this is, they're looking at why Microsoft shouldn't have Call of Duty when really it's... It's more on a different argument I feel like they could make that would be better. Uh, they should be focused a little more. If they're wanting to win, they should be focused a little more on the whole big tech side of things, which is really the reason they're in court to begin with. It feels like they're just focused on the wrong thing. That being said... Well, I think they're asking the wrong questions because oh yeah, I think they're focused on the, the right thing because they're looking for the monopoly. And so they're they're thinking, okay, well, if if they get 
Activision and Call of Duty, which is this huge thing, which affects uh, particularly PlayStation in a, in a in ways that uh, we just learned thanks to that redacted info. <laughs> Some really fascinating numbers there. Uh, could this create a monopoly over time? We know the answer to that, but they don't. Problem mm-hmm. is that they're not asking the right questions at no. all. Well, and something interesting I found out and that they didn't, that did not cause a recusal is the judge's son actually works for Microsoft. That was already brought up. <laughs> and Damn. I'm like, I get that people can be unbiased even with things it's just never a good look though when you have a relative that works for one of the companies that you're making a judgment call on you know yeah (laughs) it just doesn't look good that's more what it boils down to it doesn't but i mean if microsoft didn't get activision like it's not gonna affect yeah much in terms of you know the Anybody who's already working there. Yep. It it's just funny with just some of the different it's funny to see people that don't play video games talking about things. Like that is one <laughs> of the funnier things that happens. Like apparently the this is this is from Charlie Intel on Twitter it says the most shocking part of the entire court case so far was the fact that the US judge believes the majority of Call of Duty players own a fifteen hundred dollar gaming PC. Okay. Like yeah. that they should just no play clue. on PC essentially stuff like that. Like it's really really funny with some with some of these different things of just these people do not play video games. The judge actually referred to God of War as the Thor game. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Impressive. So it's it's very interesting on on just these different things that are that are just funny with, with just what people don't know. That being said, there are some people there that do know what they're talking about. Um, Jim Ryan, for instance, he believes that Call of Duty will stay on PlayStation, uh, which that's kind of a no duh. Uh, <laughs> we've kind of we've talked about this case so many times. And really, it boils down to the fact of they don't have a reason to drop. It's the same reasoning as Minecraft. You don't have a reason to not put it on the other platform because it makes so much money that it would be kind of stupid, especially as much money as they're about to drop into Activision Blizzard and as much money as they're going to have to spend on the salaries of these 10,000 plus people (laughs) it is not a good idea to pull it from the platform especially if you are have to put Call of Duty and Activision titles into Game Pass especially if you have to stick them into Game Pass which that brings up of course another thing another thing which is that Jim Ryan said that publishers don't like Game Pass (laughs) which is a very interesting thing yeah. Now, I'll say this. It is, I can agree with him that I don't think it is a unanimous thing. Take two's, take two's, uh, Strauss Zelnick, is that right? Strauss Zelnick, yeah. yeah. He doesn't like it. He isn't, he isn't really on it. He, he, 
thinks it doesn't make sense. Uh, what's funny is I, on the stand, Bobby Kotick said he doesn't like Game Pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's really that's yeah. really funny. Apparently, he high fived Phil Spencer as he left the courtroom. I'm like, I'll be honest. If I was judging a case like that and I watched that, I would probably immediately rule in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, but I just don't know. <sighs> I, I get I get Strauss Zel, Zelnick's problem. I, I I get any publisher's issue with Game Pass. My question would be: if they got a problem with Game Pass, why are you putting your stuff on Game Pass? You know, because if you let Game Pass die, then your problem is solved. Yeah. But apparently, there you you see something in it. Microsoft yeah. is selling you something that is intriguing enough for you to justify putting your games on there whether it's day one or whether it's year three so i i question jim ryan's statement when he says no publisher likes game pass yeah well probably some twisting of words there well of course and his biggest thing is he's he looks at it as value destructive which yeah, there's, I can see that. There's a specific way, and I was actually thinking about this, uh, about value destructive. And here's the way I look at it. And this is not necessarily, because I'm trying to recall this. I don't think this is value destructive in the way that a lot of people, especially PlayStation fanboys, are putting it in the sense of, games just become worse and just keep getting thrown on the game. But because we can just put it in that, well, we're just throwing it on game pass. We don't got to work hard. Will some devs do that? Absolutely. But those devs were probably not making great games to begin with. Let's just be honest. Um, with Redfall, I think it was, I think that game ships in that condition, whether it was a $70 game or if it was going on to Game Pass in general. I, I think it's, it ends up the same way because it was just a bad project. It, it, they just, they didn't know what they wanted to do. They weren't able to build what they wanted to build and it just didn't happen. That, that just happens. We, we, you and I both know this. Same kind of thing happened to Anthem. <laughs> and Anthem was a better game overall, in my opinion, than Redfall was. It some games just don't work, and it doesn't matter whether they're on Game Pass or not. As to the being the reason, that's not the reason the game. Where it's value destructive to me is you see out there so much that somebody posts a new game announcement, and underneath it, a consumer says, "I'll wait for it on Game Pass." That is what is destructive because it is taking money out of the industry that is necessary for the industry to survive. I'm not going to say that, you know, oh, $70 game has to be, we have to have $70 games, but there is a value to gaming where if you want the best out of it, you do have to invest into it. And if the money isn't, I mean, we just had leaked that Last of Us Part 2 and Horizon Forbidden West cost over $200 million to make. That's not counting marketing budgets. That's expensive, and 15 bucks a month on my subscription service isn't paying the bills. It just isn't. Uh, I think PlayStation actually has the best version of what Game Pass should be in the sense of you're 
you're dropping your game. The people that want it the most, they're paying the 70 bucks for it. The people who want the experience right away, then you're dropping the game a year, two years down the road onto your subscription service. It makes sense. You're it, it's we've talked about this before. It's the same reason that movies going straight to subscription services did not work because it cut out the it was value destructive to the brand as opposed to value destructive in oh the this is going to be a sucky production no it was that the value of what was coming out was lessened so that that's really the, the again i think people are looking in the wrong area when they look at value destructive he's not saying he's not going fanboy console wars crap with oh this game's gonna suck because it's on game pass no he's saying the truth if all you're used to is paying 15 well 17 now i'm saying that wrong 17 dollars a month for everything then when something good comes out you are easier to wave it off because it doesn't fit into your 17 dollars a month that's just well, I think how it works. I think that depends on the business model. I'm not sure how Microsoft's business model compares to the movies, uh, for example, a Netflix, an HBO, Amazon. Um, I mean, it's starting to stagnate. The subscriptions in general, gaming subscriptions are starting to stagnate across the board. So. Yeah, and uh, obviously that's a problem Microsoft is going to solve. I don't think that. Uh, uh, I don't think that necessarily has to do with the value destruction. I agree with your assessment on that. Uh, that's exactly what I think Jim Ryan meant by value destructive, which is why Jim Ryan doesn't do that. But Microsoft isn't in the console business in the same way PlayStation is. PlayStation yeah. cannot do that. They can't afford to do what Microsoft is doing. So particularly for PlayStation, it's value destructive because if they did that, Oh, that's that's a lot of money lost because people will absolutely wait until it hits whatever PlayStation subscription service. Microsoft is trying to come at it from a different direction. What that business model looks like, I don't know. It's called Outlast could, PlayStation because we have way more money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did say that. And then hike up all the prices. Yeah. <laughs> um, We could definitely question the day one thing with game pass i think there's some legitimate questions as to if that is truly a good long-term strategy but we also don't have the full picture that microsoft has we don't have the vision that microsoft has for game pass and what it's meant to do particularly in relation to playing on all kinds of systems um Perhaps they're suggesting that's not even possible with, you know, a console, a more console centric approach. So perhaps Game Pass is the catalyst to that vision. Um, <clears throat> but again, it's hard to say when you don't have the full picture. And so is it value destructive? I mean, if Microsoft is paying up, maybe not. Maybe not for the developer. Um, <laughs> so, yep. it, it is I mean, value that, destructive in how because you're saying Microsoft it, it eventually it will catch up to you when you're not getting those that money because 
They well, aren't again, turning. They aren't just turning huge profits with this, especially once these bro. huge games start coming out. As much as Call of Duty costs to make, as when you're paying all these salaries, it will be value destructive. Um, the I mean, we've seen developers talk about, yeah, we didn't make a whole bunch of money with our game being on Game Pass. Uh, we also don't know uh, if their game was day one or you know whatever the case may be. Um, these were developers who were kind of speaking off the record, <laughs> but um, if Microsoft, you know pays for a game to be on game pass and it helps the developer is that value destructive no not necessarily is it could it be more value destructive for bigger triple a games like a call of duty 100%. absolutely 100 percent. so we haven't seen game pass at its peak yet in terms of what it has to offer we just had an xbox showcase with 11 games coming in 2024 starfield still has not come out right so i think we can have a better understanding of how value destructive game pass will be once we see game pass actually succeeding in full on what it's supposed to do, which is deliver yep. Xbox games day one, along with other third-party games day one and other just dope games. Period. I'm I'm surprised they didn't. That. I'm surprised they didn't bring up the price hike, unless they may have. I I didn't listen to the whole five-day spiel, but I, to yeah. me, to me, that would have happened today. I, I if I was that. a if I was a lawyer, I would have immediately went with the. So they literally just hiked the price. What's to say that <laughs> as they get this huge catalog of games that don't go up again? <laughs> well, again, I, I that depends on value. I mean, Netflix has hiked the price within five years like four times. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm just saying if, if you're pushing out the <laughs> whole con- it's for the consumer kind of thing, then you have to at least look at that. Sure. Yeah. If you're the FCC, yeah, you can certainly try to push that angle, but yeah. it's also like a, it's a business decision. Like that's, that's kind of a hard one to yeah. try to pull on. Well, on it's them. just like the Starfield exclusivity uh, with Jim saying that it wasn't anti-competitive. I don't think he was uh, one of the questions you put in our notes was, is he conceding the merger by not admitting this? I don't think he is. He's he's recognizing exclusives as being important, because uh, he does. He said he didn't like it. <laughs> he just doesn't view it as anti-competitive because he's like, you know what? It is your thing. You you beat us to the punch on this one because they tried. They tried to get Starfield exclusively. That was part of their talks with Bethesda, and it didn't work. So. Yeah, but then I would have to ask the question, does he feel Call of Duty? I would say that's Game Pass. I would say that's not, not just because he hasn't because they probably because they haven't tried to get Call of Duty exclusively. Oh, I, <laughs> or, I would or at say least he they were would. rebuffed. I absolutely think he would say it's anti-competitive. Yep. I mean, look how hard he is trying to well, keep and that's it what, on. And that's what I'm saying is he he would definitely oh, okay. he definitely would say that was anti-competitive. And I would say because he hasn't because PlayStation hasn't gone after 
exclusivity with Call of Duty. I mean, they've, they've in the sense of they they've possible. gotten exclusive <laughs> things, yeah. But so oh, is know, so is Microsoft because Microsoft. Yeah. It, it is admitted. It is funny watching how a uh, quick memory uh, eludes people. Oh yeah, Microsoft uh, started it. Well, with did all you the exclusive day one first? Well, did you see the the, uh, the comments first. from uh, Nadella on exclusives? No. So let me see if I can find this just because it was a very funny, like I, I was cracking up uh, with what uh, Nadella said. Here we go. He said that if it was up to him, he would get rid of exclusivity on consoles. Because Sony has used it to become a dominant player, I would love to get rid of the, the entire exclusives on consoles, but that's not for me to define, especially as a low share player in the console market that the dominant player Sony has defined market competition using exclusive. I have no love for that world. I'm sorry, Satya, because if the shoe was on the other foot, you wouldn't say a word about it. We know that that oh, is yeah. just business talk, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. you say that, and you just bought a publisher and canceled all the PlayStation versions. It wasn't PlayStation that forced your hand here. If you didn't care, you could have bungeed this. <laughs> well, I think there's an argument. So I think there's an argument to make that yeah, maybe PlayStation forced their hand. But historically, there is some. Uh, but at the same Xbox. point, Gears of War has been you know Forza, all these games. You know, the, clearly. And the reality is, if you're selling consoles you need some exclusive things on those consoles. It's a I mean, fair thing to make. They can make this argument now because consoles is their focus. It's this old open ecosystem yeah. of, yeah, we will let you play anywhere. But yeah, they, they also straight up bought Tomb Raider exclusivity. So <laughs> that's a, it's just the thing of, yeah, forked tongue, which is, that's from all of them like that it, it yeah. people got to stop thinking and i've said this several times on different things people got to stop thinking that these executives are their friends they are looking for your money that is all they want and if that you can if they can yeah. if phil or jim can get you to look at them in a great light and think that you are that they are your friend they're happy why because you're going to get invested in their ecosystem. I'm not saying that they're not that you know certain people aren't good faces of the company and aren't invested in the community, but there's a reason they're invested in the community. Why? Because of money. They're the bottom line is where it, it matters. Of course. All right. Let's go back to the wheel of segments. Yeah. Because that was a long one. <laughs> there was a lot to. There's so much we did not cover from Activision, so. Oh! Uh, this little. This little thing. Wild card football. Yeah. The frick is this? This size of a football game. <laughs> so, I was fortunate enough to have a final appointment with a team over at Saber Interactive and so today this Saber game. yeah this is actually so this is actually from the same crew who did NBA Playgrounds so they've not only brought back 
the amazing NBA jam kind of style games. They're also bringing back the my childhood, which was the NFL street style games. So Mm. as you can see, it's definitely very wacky. Uh, I use the term bombastic with how (laughs) the game plays. Like it's definitely not standard football. It is arcade to the max. (laughs) Oh yeah. Wow. Um, I actually had the chance that after they showed us the game, after they talked to us as to <laughs> what was happening like- in the game and giving us kind of a breakdown, we actually went into another room and I actually got to play this game against Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> the, right. the the former NFL do? quarterback. Oh, I, he skunked me. It was 14 to zero. Uh, I, I will. Oh, 14 to zero is not too bad. Uh, I will chalk it up to. The fact that he had much more time to practice than I did because <laughs> yeah. he's been playing this a while. And I was I'll admit I, I was getting to the end of it. I was still figuring out the wind up for the pass for long passes, the, how long it takes. Like, oh, to, there's to, like it, it's a lot of more of a wind up. Yeah, it was it was definitely one oh. of those of you. You had to kind of learn the OK, this isn't just an instant, just quick pass kind of thing. Yeah, that's You're what having I would to, expect from an arcade it, game. It, it, it felt different. Like there was still a little bit more of a, uh, I don't want to say penalty, but you get what I'm trying to say. What's fun about it is it, it takes that old NFL street Madden arcade. It puts it out there at seven on seven, but the way that they have tried to differentiate their game is that they've added these things called wild cards. Of course, name of the game. Uh, what? How this works is there is actually a meter at the top of your screen that builds as you play the game. I don't believe that there are any, like, we didn't get at least the, the explanation of it uh, in the sense of if it is more than, if it's more than just earning, like if it's just a constant earn, like I earn one segment every play, or if it's one of those you can earn more on a bigger, if you make a big play or something, I, I have no idea on that. But as everything goes, you have a, a deck of cards that you actually build. You you do build your team uh, of different players, kind of Madden Ultimate Team style. But you get a deck of cards that have essentially different fun arcade abilities that you get. Some stuff is as simple as I want to spend two of my like it's like eight to 10 segments, two of my energy that I've earned. And I want to be like 80% speed boost on this play. Like it could be something as simple as that. And that would be specifically for like, I remember seeing one, it was the wide receivers that were, that had that boost. Or I want to spend four segments. And you saw just a second ago in the video, there was like a, a bubble around the quarterback. <laughs> protect it i want to spend a little bit more to get that for this play because i really have a big play i want to hit uh and then some stuff is as nuts as like the gigantic mode that you see in there where colin like grows huge and it's like stomping through now that is more of a ultimate ability and from what i understand it takes kind of a mario this is kind of a mario kart almost idea in the sense of you have that deck but you're not if you're like way in the lead, you're not always going to have that card pop up. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, you if you're in the lead in Mario Kart, you're not always getting the blue. You're not you're getting, getting the, the blue shell. Blue shell. You, yeah, you're getting the bananas. <laughs> uh, 
the banana peels. So the game is taking into that into account a little bit, but it is a very like it looks like a very ridiculous, uh, almost game changing play. It is, but it's not a OP thing in the sense that like you activate it, it's only good for a couple seconds. So you've got to make sure you activate it at the right time to make sure that you get the most use out of it. Uh, everything's flamboyant. I love the tackling. It's very street blitz almost kind of style in that it's real vicious. Uh, there were sometimes you just bend somebody right back when you hit them. I love, <laughs> I loved it. Um, one of the interesting things is they don't have the NFL license. They have the NFL PA license. I know. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I saw that. So, yeah. So essentially what has happened is they have the rights to all these players they don't have the rights to the uniforms. They don't have the rights to the stadiums or anything. And I think that actually worked out better for this game because mm. the stadiums are all nuts. Like they have mm. like this regular field out in the middle of like a city. You've got like there was one that I absolutely loved that they showed us. We didn't actually get to play on it, but they sh- they showed it to us. It actually pops up in the trailer where it's like in the middle of like this redwood forest. <laughs> So it's like the the field is very like you you can see all these fields. I've got dirt patches and all this different kind of stuff and whatnot. They're messy. Uh, that one's an island when there's the the redwood one. Um, like it feels like it really has a different style when you're going to all these different fields. Um, that also means they were able to go really nuts with the customization of your of your uniforms and logos and stuff. You actually get to choose different things and they've went over the top. Like there was one where the uniform was a, it was like a diving uniform, (laughs) like with the whole bell helmet and everything. Like it it was just like, I like that kind of stuff. That's really neat ideas to make things different. And all of this stuff, we don't know online components, microtransactions, what their plans are. There is online multiplayer that is coming. So we're going to have to, you know, square off in this at some point, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's just one of those games where I I like the fact that kind of the licensing is forced them into this because it gives it a lot of style. There's a lot of style to what you're seeing in this. I, I'm I just really like everything that I have seen so far from it. Uh, I, I grew up on the like I, I played a lot of NFL 2K, Madden, but I really really loved the NFL Street franchise and played a lot of Madden Arcade with friends. And you know you just don't get these kind of games anymore. And this takes me back to just a, a simpler time is really the easiest way to put it. So I, I think it'll be a lot of fun to actually grind and get to, if you put that Madden ultimate team kind of style in there, especially if they do <laughs> manage to do it without overgoing it, overdoing it with microtransactions. I mean, I, I would assume that we're probably going to see some sort of seasonal content that you'll be grinding for and stuff. I could see this being a big hit, like anything NFL usually manages to do well, but I could see this being a really big hit just based on the idea that it has. Yeah, I this is this is going to be fascinating. <laughs> I uh, I'm glad there's more arcadey sports stuff that's been coming out the last 
three, four years. We need that. We need yes. some diversity outside of the sim type of stuff. You know, you even see with the Forza franchise and with Horizon while Motorsport was still in its doing its thing. So um I I am interested in this. I I do find it fascinating. They do have the players. Uh did the faces look the same, or is it kind of like they just have the names, but the faces don't quite oh, no. look like what you see here is is what it like. Obviously, they're the well, way more bulky kind of stuff, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you're these because they have that NFLPA license, they're able to make this the players, and and that's really to me that's the thing that you had to have. Like, if you didn't yeah. have anything else, it still works. If you throw this in here and it's arcadey, but you got these random name players, it doesn't work. Nah, this NBA Street did a similar thing. It was, yeah. you know, you had the players, but, you know, there wasn't really much. Yeah, some of the uniforms and stuff, but yeah. yeah. This, now, this works. Is, this is good. Yeah. Yep. So I, I like it. And like I said, a big amount of style. Like that, that. To that you got to have the swagger of it when you're doing an arcade football game and this has it uh, one interesting thing with the wild cards in mind is you don't have audibles okay so something you have to keep in mind is when you cl- select play you're stuck uh, one thing that was interesting defensive side is you can actually use a card and lock the your opponent into a run play so you kind of want to make sure you're paying attention to what the your opponent is doing because you know you could use a use some of your energy and go you know 80 percent catch from your wide receiver if he just locked you into a run play you're screwed yeah (laughs) so it 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 makes a lot of sense to make sure you're paying attention to what you're doing and i'm i'm hoping that they continue to none of the cards we saw when we were playing seemed overpowered i just hope they manage to keep that from being the case because since there is online and whatnot you don't want to just face people with these ridiculous decks that that's part of the reason i'm hoping there aren't they don't go too crazy with any microtransactional stuff because you don't want it to be where somebody could just pay for the best deck and that's the person on the leaderboards i think we're at the point now where people understand if you're going to do microtransactions it's got to be cosmetic yep and I think you'll see cosmetics. Uh, the, I, my biggest thing, I would be happy. I would be fine with even if you do cards, if it's seasonal content. Like I, I don't even mind a battle pass in that because battle passes are cheap and they you get the opportunity to grind for it. Nah, you so, can't put cards in a battle pass. Yeah, I don't. Mi- do I don't mind it as much, hey, but that's to, just me. That's pay to win. Yeah, that is pay to win. You gotta avoid that. Uh but yeah, you can have different helmets, different uniforms. Uh, you see shoulder pads, so you can do some stylish shoulder pads. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's. I would there's imagine there's a do. ton they can do with with that. So. Yeah. And that's the fun of not having the NFL license is you you have a lot more freedom to go nuts with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Agreed. All right, that's Wild Card Football, developed by Saber Interactive. All right, let's go back to the wheel. We got three left. All right. It's really going to land. We might be talking Nintendo. Yes. All right. Talking Nintendo. The Nintendo Direct. There's really only 
like one thing I want to talk about out of the direct. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. That, like there's, there's a lot of cool stuff coming. Like obviously yes. we heard about the Zelda and Ganondorf Amiibos that are coming, you know, new Pikmin for details, which there's a demo that's up now. They just dropped another story trailer. So if you get a chance play the Pikmin Four demo, Wario wears coming. I do need to play that. You're right. Yeah. Uh, the HD versions of Pikmin one and two are in the eShop. Uh, you know, it, it was a very, it was a pretty meaty Nintendo Direct. Uh, I'm actually really excited personally. Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon is coming to the Switch. That was a very yep. hidden, like, I, I don't know if I just tuned out at that point, but I totally missed it and then saw it online afterwards. I was like, wait, what? Because I'm a big fan of the Luigi's Mansion games. So yeah. that I played the heck out of the DS one, so I'm very happy that it's getting its due. And coming to a mainline console. But then there's also a Princess Peach game that's coming next year. There is, yeah. So that was very interesting. Um, I like the look of that. Yeah, a lot. And then, of course, the you know the normal third party, all kinds of random different things. Lots of cool looking things. Fay Farm, which we got to take a look at it. Summer Game Fest looks really cool. Vampire yep. Survivors coming. Gloomhaven. It's a co-op mode. Yeah. I mean, just just all kinds of things, um, but the big things, the things everybody cares about, is all Mario and yes. Super Mario Brothers Wonder. A brand new 2D Mario is coming. This is yes. the first time in a second we've had Super Mario 2D. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize it's been ten years. Since it doesn't a 2D feel like Mario. It. No, and then. The the huge news, of course, was that Super Mario RPG remake is coming. Like that's something I know so many people that it's like. Like yeah. I, I remember having one one customer that would come in and like I, I haven't actually ever played Super Mario RPG. Uh, I have a I have one of the minis that has it on it, but I haven't got to. And I remember yeah, a, I remember somebody <laughs> telling me. You really have, and he's like, ah, uh, to be, I'm jealous of you because you get to experience it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I've played a little bit of it, but I don't remember much of it. Yeah, I've never touched it, so it's one of those things of, oh, this is kind of the perfect time to try out Mario RPG. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I if I go if I should play it first and then see how it is in comparison because yeah. I do like comparing, but. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I might just yeah. do it. That said, uh, Mario Wonder, which we're looking at right now, it just looks straight up wild. I mean, this is like it. Mario on really LSD. Like repeating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this the, They are invested in the drugs on this one. Um, It gives me Super Mario World vibes. I don't know if it does that for you, but I felt very... Mario World ish. I can see out that. Of this. And that's the, that was the, the SNES one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's. Yeah, I don't know if it's the music. Something about the level design too. Uh, obviously, a lot of it you could you could see some new Super Mario Bros. type of stuff, but it, it also seems more sophisticated. That was one of the things about Mario World. Um, it was sophisticated level design and very diverse and colorful and had a lot of expression. That is 
that is this. Um, that's what I see here. And even just Mario himself and all the characters, you know, you hit the peak of your jump and he like throws his whole hands out and all that. Um, the whole, just the animations with all of this. Um, there seems to be a, a stop motion-y feel to it as well. That's even hard to describe. This is such a weird game, <laughs> but it's it's got so much personality and expression. And you know, Mario goes through a pipe and loses his hat, and he like grabs it and comes out the other side of the pipe. You know, it's just yeah. things I have not seen out of Nintendo and how they've uh, things they just haven't done with Mario before. It's, it's in, just in good to see because, like, as good as New Super Mario Brothers was, it did feel like they got a little complacent with 2D Mario. With just the constant ports, and then New Super Mario Brothers Two was more or less the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't really stand the New Super Mario series. Like the first one, it was like, okay, this is cool, a little too easy. Um, the four-player co-op was a nice touch; that was fun. And then you got to two, it was like, okay, a, co- a collectathon of coins, fine. I guess um, it was just it was by the book. That's the easiest way, I guess, to put it. It was a by the book Mario game. Okay, we got a Mario game. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was Call of Duty Mario. So, um that that felt weird. Um then they did New Super Mario Brothers Wii U. I thought that was a good one. I did think that was good. Um especially the the Luigi add-on. They they mixed things up with the level design. But this this just feels like they are trying to push all the various ways you can do things in Mario. I mean, you have Princess Peach pushing a pipe against uh, what's his, Chuck, whatever, I forgot his name, but <laughs> it was, I was like, this, this is kind of something I've been waiting for since Mario Odyssey. Like, this is freaking <laughs> fantastic. Uh, yep. I can't wait to play. It's It's been a long time. Mario, if you don't know, top, all my top five favorite games of all time are all Mario games. That's how much I love Mario. And I hadn't quite felt the feeling of like, I just can't wait to play a Mario game. 2D Mario in particular. Uh, since uh, probably New Super Mario Brothers, the first one, we um, Or the first one on the DS, that's actually. So this was, this felt good. <laughs> I was like, this, this is going to be fantastic. It it just looks fun. That that's the biggest thing. And man, what a good year for Mario. You're getting these within two months of each other. This one's October twentieth and the next and Mario RPG's November seventeenth. So Yep. Now all they need to do is announce a, a new Nintendo console with Mario Odyssey two. Yep. Which I can die. apparently Happy. Bobby Kotick leaked that it is <laughs> out there. And has the power yeah, of Gen 8 consoles, essentially PS4, Xbox One powers. So, yep. Because they were having discussions with him about putting Call of Duty on it. So, I wonder if Nintendo, with that, I wonder if Nintendo's trying to get back into more third party support like they used to back in the NES, SNES days. That would be interesting. Very, very interesting. Especially considering yep. you have to think it's a port, another hybrid console. You would think so. 
But with Nintendo, yeah, never they, know. They, they do just, whatever the heck they want, know. really. You never. Does it bother you know. as much as it bothers me when I watch these demos and they like skip the extra? Like they'll have like the five things and then they'll skip the one. Like it, the collector, the collector in me. Like when they'll have like those coins in the air. They'll go and they'll oh. grab a couple of them, but then <laughs> yeah, they'll miss and then this, one and they won't yes. go back for it. It bugs me yes. so much. I'm yeah, like, no, the no, one, gamer, going back no, and getting it. no gamer plays that way. You go back. <laughs> no, you go get it. If we see something to collect, we go. <laughs> yes. Uh, the one thing I will mention about this, and I don't know if you've seen it, there's a couple of instances where I guess if you were to keep score... They just showed it right there um, where you like destroy multiple enemies, you know, in typical Mario fashion that keeps score. It would be like 100, 200, 400, 800, 1600, you know, extra life, extra life. This uh, they show um, word score and you kind of see it there on the, the flagpole. Also, if, if you're watching hmm. good, great, super fantastic, excellent, incredible, wonderful interesting i don't know obviously i don't know what that means i don't know if that gives you extra lives i don't i don't know or if it's just a feel-good thing um it adds more style i i'm i am curious what what that means nintendo being doing nintendo things all right anything else we want to discuss out of there I don't think so. Like that was really the the biggest stuff was the Mario stuff. There's good stuff there, but it it was all it was Mario's show. It was Mario's. All right. Back to the wheel. Wheel. Two topics left. Which one will we get? Oh. Pretty appropriate 50/50 music. Oh. Lies of P. All right, did you play this? I have not. I've seen stuff about it. It's another one of those. I probably should try it, but I think you should. They extended the Steam demo. It is available on PlayStation. It's also available on Xbox. So here's the thing. I'm going to be completely upfront and honest about this. I think I think more reviews should do this. I think every review should have should have at the top of it what your experience is with a franchise or genre so that people can have an understanding of who you are. I am a person who doesn't really like Soulsport games all that much. It's not because they're bad. It's not because I'm bad at them. They just don't, they don't satisfy the hard game itch for me. I'd rather play a different kind of game that is hard than something like this. I bounced off a of soul. Uh, I, I bounced off of uh, Bloodborne in probably about ten minutes. I was like, "Nope this this isn't for me." I I got decently far in the Lies of P demo, so there is something there that I do like. It feels good. I think one of the things about Lies of P that I like more than Bloodborne is the type of enemies there there are. Um, the They're bipedal. They're puppets. Machines. You are also a puppet. 
you are uh, <laughs> Pinocchio, I guess. You are a puppet created by Geppetto, set in a grim, dark world. And you follow the voice of Jiminy. Yes, Jiminy. Not Jiminy I, knew Curry, there was a, Jiminy. I knew there was a, poke, uh, a Pinocchio theme, but I didn't realize the whole Jiminy thing went as far as it did. Oh, yeah. Jiminy. Spelled Gemini, but oh. Jiminy. <laughs> so they, they kind of lean into it. The only thing I'm missing at this point is uh, his nose growing bigger from lying. But, I mean, this whole lies thing... Uh, if you die, uh, it says lie or die instead of you died. Um, the loading screen, it says now lying. So they like really lean into this whole thing in a, in a weird, goofy way. But um, as I have heard, because I'm not totally versed in Bloodborne, this is basically Bloodborne. The way it plays, the way it feels, the speed of it, all of it feels like Bloodborne. Um, it's coming to the PC, PlayStation, coming to Xbox, developed by NeoWiz. Uh, they have... Uh, NeoWiz has published 13 games. They've developed three games. Um, this being the third game that they've developed. So uh, the other two games are nothing like this. <laughs> so they are stretching, stretching out on this one. And... The only game I recognize from them is DJ Max Respect V. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have. Uh, have not played them. But those are like button rhythm kind of games. So you you see the, the difference <laughs> in what this is versus what they've created before. I was kind of interested in it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to play it, but I am interested in it. It it, it has made me uh, step a little bit closer to going back and playing Bloodborne again, trying it out. Um, but, I mean, it, it's a Soulsborne game. You fight with limited movesets, limited resources. Uh, you can equip different modifiers. Uh, you can you have different items that you can use and different things like that. Uh one of the interesting mechanics is your there is weapon degra degradation. So as your you use your sword, thing. well, it's not weapon breaking. That's different. But there is weapon degradation, uh, and yes, it can break. But number one, you can see when it will break. Number two, you have a little sharpener tool to <laughs> sharpen your blade whenever you need to okay, sharpen that's it. That's nice. It, it's infinite, so it doesn't run out, but you do have to manage your weapon inventory to make sure it doesn't break at the wrong time. And I think you can repair it at a certain spot. I'm not entirely sure. Don't remember. But you want to be careful about that. So that's one of the more diff uh, a difficulty factor they've added to this. Another interesting thing they are doing with this is you have potions that you can use. And typically in you know social boring games, if you use your potions, they are gone until you go get some more. But in Lies of P, you can replenish your potion in battle by doing damage. Hmm. So you're fighting That's a boss. You run out of potions. You can replenish your potions by doing damage. Now, it's not easy. It doesn't come easy. 
but you can. So it there is a a kind of um, comeback mechanic in here. Um, so maybe you know, maybe you take boss fights slow. You take damage every once in a while, and you just take it too much. But you know you could probably do enough damage to get one more potion and survive. You might be able to win. I would say, and it's hard to judge. It's only based on the mini boss that I faced. Um, if you use the potion at the beginning of the fight, it probably takes like half the boss fight to replenish it. So it's not, it doesn't replenish quickly at all. And I don't know if it replenishes based on the type of attack you use, like the 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 amount of health or uh, replenishment you get. So like a heavy attack could give a little bit more than a light attack or something like that. So, um, so it, it's trying to do some different things things compared to a bloodborne and i think they're interesting and i think they work within the world um but i will say uh the world itself looks very very interesting i'm not so much a grim dark kind of person but uh the world does look interesting I hear it's really pretty it, yeah it, it is beautiful in its own grim dark way so th- there there is a lot to like about lies of p um i'm just not into the games with you know the artificial restraints you know the limited mobility you know demanding specific ways to beat enemies and things like that um i think lies of p heavily relies on that from what i've heard like certain enemies you can only uh block or parry and if you don't you're basically going to get hit there are some unblockable moves Uh, so there are some things i know that would get on my nerves after a while. And I get it. It's part of the difficulty. Demands perfection. That's fine. It's not really what I feel like dealing with uh, when I play difficult games. I kind of... Yeah, not, not everybody's into, for that style. <laughs> yeah. I I like tough games that test my mechanical prowess. Um, so that that's what I prefer. Um but I did enjoy this at least somewhat. So there's something to this. I think if if you do like Soulsborne games, I think you will like this. Nothing we, to add. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. We do have <laughs> our, our resident person on when it comes to Souls games, uh, Richard Allen. He already has talked about how much he loves it. So he's happy. And that's all that matters. <laughs> hey, there you go. And it is going to be on Game Pass, so if you want to play more of it, I'm Game not, Pass Day 1. But <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll try Bloodborne again just because. All right, the last game is Stunt Derby. So this was a Steam Next Fest Not going to spin the wheel? <laughs> just for you. There we go. It looks like a record. <laughs> it does. It does. Yep. Stunt Derby. All right. So, oh, you still hear the music. <laughs> I thought the music would cut off. Um, so, Stunt Derby is actually, I don't know. Do you know who Danny O'Dwyer is? I feel like I know the name, but I'm blanking on it right now. 
So he he came from GameSpot, originally part of the media team at GameSpot, and created the documentary team called No Clip. Okay. Um, so he makes some documentaries. He's done documentaries on Doom, Rocket League, uh, Wolfenstein, I think it was. Um, and he's he's done a variety of documentaries. So he decided uh, to take No Clip in a development direction and develop a game and document the the process, which I think is a really fascinating idea. Uh, especially for a documentary team. So this is his game. It's called Stunt Derby. He himself is an F1 person, so he likes racing. So he decided to go in the direction of creating a kind of uh, obstacle, kind of goofy racing game. And so it is a racing game. You race on a track, there's three laps, and uh, you race against other people. Now, what you see on screen is that it could get pretty zany. Uh, this is uh, racing against a hundred other people. So <laughs> it's this narrow road, and there, it is just absolute bonkers chaos. It is. It looks like chaos. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a lot of fun. Um, so the the basic info. Uh, it's a, it's a racing game with obstacles. It's a combination of Demolition Derby and regular racing. It's going to be on PC. I don't know if it's going to be on any consoles yet. They're not that far in development, but they wanted to put this demo to let people get a taste of it. And again, it's developed by Noclip. So you could race alone. You could race against 20 bots or you could race against 100 bots and you could do this online as well. They It's lobby-based, not matchmaking-based. So... I don't know if that's going to be the final way this is going to go. Again, I don't know how far he's going to take this, but um, that's what is available. So I I tried everything. I tried all the cars. There's three different cards with three different speeds and handling. And then there's also a course creator, which is actually on screen right now. So uh, it's a simple, no flush, no fluff game. And it's kind of refreshing. It just is what it, it's a racing game and it's a derby and you can run people off the course and bump them into obstacles. They will do the same. So it's a nice contrast to the more complicated games. You know, your forces, your Gran Turismo's, even your need for speeds that can that can feel like there is some added fluff in there when it's essentially no, you're a racing game. So let's get into the racing stuff. I think Forza Horizon probably actually does a good balance of sticking to the racing while at adding just enough where it doesn't feel like fluff and it keeps things exciting. So uh, this is this is that. I think the best way to play this game, though, is solo or against 100 bots. The only problem with solo is that there's no time trial version of it. There's no because there's no timer. So that's my only issue with it. But when you go against 100 bots, it is just straight up zany. Now is you that the it. only is that the only option is is a hundred or nothing? No, it's you could do twenty bots. Okay. Um, the problem with twenty bots is because the two cars, the hatchback and the executive, which is basically a coupe. Though the the hatchback is kind of this, uh, uh, the even car. You know, every if handling is decent, speed is decent, turning is decent. The executive is more speed. So harder to turn, but it's faster. And then they have a van, which slower, but really good in cornering. So when you're racing, you either choose the hatchback or the executive. So 
if you're doing 20 bots and you get behind and you're both rocking a hatchback and you're both good at driving, there's not going to be much that's going to separate you in order mm-hmm. to get ahead unless you're rocking the executive. But it's not like you could switch cars mid-race, right? So yeah. you're you're kind of you're kind of stuck. And so what 100 bots does, it just adds the ability more more chance that they'll make a mistake because there's just so much chaos on the track. So there's intersections that are just wide open and people who are like crossing through, like you could be ahead, but people are crossing through from like a section you already passed could be going and just ram you, (laughs) knock you off course. And you could, you know, so that kind of stuff can happen. So it's way more exciting to uh, race with more people. The more, Literally, the more the merrier. That's that's how it goes. Um, what else is there? Um, yeah, the the course creator is is also very simple, but it's pretty sophisticated as well. Um, think of Hot Wheels. You know, when you get a Hot Wheels track, it comes with little segments that you can combine and you know do different things with. That's what the course creator does in here. There's little tiles uh, that you can used to create a track uh i don't know if you noticed the track that i made let me see if i can fast forward to it this is for mario kart 64 it looked like a phone (laughs) well it's actually luigi's raceway from mario kart 64 that's funny it looks like a phone though (laughs) yeah (laughs) it does yeah actually um i never noticed that about luigi's raceway so i created that I wasn't sure if I could at first because of the different tiles that were available. But at the end, I was like, yeah, that that kind of looks like Luigi's Raceway. And it kind of feels like Luigi's Raceway when I when I run it. So it's pretty versatile. Uh, there is a track Danny O'Dwyer made that has a loop in it. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't even know that was possible. Oh, <laughs> so you can change the terrain of the land. Um, you can bank turns. You can change the track height. You can create ramps. Uh, jumps you can add obstacles to it checkpoints that people have to pass through uh, you can change the direction of the finish line to you know maybe you want a mirror or track or something so it's it's pretty good it's it is pretty good it's obviously it doesn't look like much if you're not watching if you're listening i mean it looks like pole position off the commodore 64 like it's very blocky uh standard kind of stuff so I would say the landscape is more sophisticated than something off the Commodore 64, but the the track of the car itself <laughs> doesn't look yeah. like much. So it, it's simple with a lot to what's there. Yeah, uh, clearly the the focus has been the the game and how it feels, and I think they've done a good job in creating something that feels good now. It just doesn't look very good. The sound effect is absolutely annoying. It sounds like uh, the Google Music creator with just like the one sound effect like strung together. Just like, like it is, it is obnoxious, but uh, it is enjoyable as it is for a racing game that looks like this and is created by a team who probably have little to no experience developing games. You can also play online. I got to try that a little bit, and. Uh, it's it's basically the same thing. My only problem was uh, there was a little bit of input delay, so that made it that made it tougher. Um, you could feel the difference in turns. It was like I'm sliding way more than I was offline. So 
Uh, but it's a demo. They can fix that. I don't think this is going to be a, <laughs> a tough game to to work out online. So, uh, yeah, that is that is Stunt Derby. Developed and will be published by Noclip. Cool, cool. All right. There's nothing left on the wheel. It means we're done. You, you look done, David. It has been <laughs> yeah, a very done. long week. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. All right. Well, we will be back again. Uh, hopefully Noah will be back with us. As far as I know, time. he's supposed to be back with us next week. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Hopefully he doesn't extend his vacation more than he needed. <laughs> uh, happy 4th of July if you're out in the States. And we will talk to you next week. Deuces. Peace.